Hallelujah. Lord God, we come to you today giving you thanks that you're going to carry us through. That you are our shield and our buckler. That you are a fortress. That even though we may be in the middle of a storm, that you are going to bring us through. Father God, it is you that commands the wave, the winds, and the sea. But even though you may let them blow, that you're going to carry us through it because you are faithful. And Father God, we pray now that you would remind somebody who they are in you. And that you would remind us what we have in you. That you would bring back to our remembrance that if you are for us, there is nothing that can stand against us. That somebody needs to be reminded that all things work, all things work for the good of those that love the Lord. So even that trial that they are in now, it is for the good. that you would continue to bring us closer to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise once again on today. And let's give the Lord praise for this magnificent praise team and music and worship arts department. And let's give the Lord praise for the band on today. Amen. I see y'all back there. Amen. We seem to have a young, a new young brother on the drums on today. Let's give the Lord praise for him. Oh, yeah, he was back there going crazy. He doesn't know that I saw him over there. <laughs> but while you're standing, let's quickly go into our text on this morning. Philippians 3, verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example. And note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Citizens of heaven. Let's give the Lord praise as we are seated on the day. Now I'm sure if you've been around here for any period of time, you've heard me talk about an unofficial requirement of membership here at West Angeles. And that unofficial requirement is that we all be registered to vote and that you stand up and be counted. 
There are so many of our people that died so that we would have the right to vote right here. So here in West Angeles, we believe that we all have an obligation. We won't tell you who to vote for, but we'll only say that you owe it to those who paid the ultimate sacrifice to participate and to be informed and to take your place and stand up and be heard. You cannot complain if you do not take part. Amen. So in November 2020, we as a church took part in the, our latest presidential election. I was so blessed to see West Angeles take part in the, that election as a voting center. It was the first time in the history of West Angeles that we were able to do this because in the past during this time, amen, let's give the Lord praise. <laughs> well, in the past during that time, we are always in holy convocation um, in St. Louis or, you know, as we've returned back to um, our headquarters in Memphis, Tennessee. And even at this moment, they are having their official day um, in the convocation. So we're usually always gone, but since the epidemic happened and they postponed the convocation, and our convention, our annual convention, we were able to take part um, in this way um, in the uh, election. But I was so proud to be there with Lady Deandra and our sons who are still too young to vote, but they will always remember being there. I have to admit that in that time I casted my ballot with a mix of cautious hope and optimism and determination to do my part. I was so proud of you all as West Angeles at that time. I don't know about you, but it's almost like I held my breath as I cast my ballot that day. I mean, even in this last election that took place just last Tuesday, it seemed like we've been quietly afraid, afraid to hope too much because it would hurt too badly if things didn't go the way we hoped that they would. Seems like the way that everything is, was going with the epidemic and racial division and police killings and political divisiveness that our hearts can't take another blow to our sense of rightness. But there's been so much division it almost seems like there can't be a civil discussion anymore. I know that I wasn't the only one that watched the events of January 6, 2021 with a mix of disbelief and terror as we saw people storming the Capitol building of our nation trying to overturn what was found out to be a lawful process. Now, to watch the news for any length of time beyond one news cycle is to court hypertension and insanity. If you look at the news long enough, you'll be afraid to leave your house. 
And even then, you'll see a story about mold in your house and you'll be afraid to stay home. <laughs> but I look at the news just long enough to see what's going on and then I have to turn it off. Maybe go watch some cartoons or something. <laughs> but there is so much division, so much anger over the issues. And now even political violence is on the rise, along with an increase in racial violence. There's so much anger. Anger over gun control. Pro-life anger. Pro-choice anger. Critical race theory anger. Immigration anger. Even within the body of Christ, there is division. There seems to be two Christianities in America today. One says, love thy neighbor as you love yourself. Be kind to the poor. Be kind to the widow. Be kind to the orphan. Be kind to the immigrant. And the other says, put them out from among you. Get them out of here. Even belief in God has been weaponized and used as a political tool nowadays. They say we need to do something about the homelessness situation and to build housing for the homeless, but nobody wants that housing built in their neighborhood. There's something called NIMBY, which stands for not in my backyard. Oh, you can have a home for wayward children, but just don't put it in my neighborhood. Put it over there. And they'll think it even though they'll be ashamed to say it out loud. Even in our churches, we've chosen sides based on race and ideology, even if we are slow to admit it. Even now, Today in our service, if we were to take a quiet poll, we would find that there are those of us that lean to the left, and there are some of us that lean to the right. But how much as, have we as believers been co-opted by worldly, racial, and national agendas? How much have we let a particular political party tell us as the body of Christ which way to vote or believe? How much have some of us who call ourselves children of the most high compartmentalized the gospel and supported parties and candidates that acted completely outside of the gospel and looked the other way because they played to our own personal preferences and fears? Y'all don't know which one of them I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about both of them. <laughs> but I'm here to remind us as born-again Christians and believers in Christ Jesus that before we are members of a political party, we are first and foremost members of the body of Christ. We are first and foremost citizens of heaven which is our title today. Everyone say citizens of heaven. Citizens of heaven. But what does that mean? 
What does it mean to be in the world, but not of the world? What are the tenets of the kingdom regarding treatment in our society of the have-nots, the immigrant, the widow, treatment of our senior citizens? What are the tenets of the kingdom regarding those of other races and ethnicities? What are the tenets of the kingdom regarding compassion, empathy, apathy, narcissism, and greed? As citizens of the kingdom, how should we approach these issues? It has been said that morality can't be legislated. So do we spend our time as Christians trying to affect the laws governing certain behavior or do we spend time trying to speak to the spirits, mindsets, and the culture that sits behind those laws and behaviors? Do we spend our time protesting against abortion or, or gun rights or do we do what we can to express how valuable life is in the home and in our hearts? If we at our core as a nation do not see the value of life, then there is no piece of legislation that's going to matter. <laughs> Until we as a nation can learn to stop valuing our own pleasure above the lives and the welfare of our children and the future, then we will continue to face a multitude of issues in our culture our economy, and everyday life. If we valued lives over profit and carried compassion into some of the boardrooms of our largest corporations, then we would not have whole towns being shut down to cut costs, leaving millions of people jobless and destitute. We're going to move our production plant to a place to where we only have to pay a few cents on the dollar and that's why we're cutting costs and our profit margins are up so that's why y'all ain't got no job no more. We have to remember that whoever sits in the White House, that it is God that sits on the throne. We have to remember that even when the person that we voted for wins the election, that there is no guarantee that the world we want to see will come to pass. When President Barack Obama ran for office, many African Americans and many other communities came out overwhelmingly to support him and the dream of hope and change that he represented. However, as time progressed, we found out that as good a president that some thought that he was, that it would take more than an African-American president to heal our communities and help us move out of some of the issues that we were facing as African-Americans. We even saw him as president move to support agendas that didn't have anything to do with the issues that we were facing as a community. Not because he didn't want to, I'm not blaming him, but he had to be loyal to his party and he had to be president to all of America, not just the African-American community. 
It was the same for his successor, the next president. He said that he was going to build a wall. He said he was going to drain the swamp. He said he was going to change the system. He said during his 2016 campaign that nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Anytime somebody says that, you need to be worried. He was in office, and the system stayed broken. Why? Because the system cannot be fixed by one man or leader alone. None of us are smarter and stronger than all of us. Y'all going to hear it? That's going to be my slogan moving from here on out. But we need to come to terms with the fact that one leader cannot get us out of the situations that we may be facing. In fact, as citizens of heaven, we shouldn't even expect the systems of the world or the machine of politics and legislation to hold and uphold and spread the standards and values of our heavenly father. We shouldn't even be looking to that. His name wasn't Reverend Barack Obama. Now, before some of you start complaining and saying that you didn't come to church to get into a conversation about politics, let me give you a quick history lesson. In 2008, at the Democratic National Convention, the year when Senator Barack Obama was nominated as a Democratic candidate for the President of the United States, Bishop Charles E. Blake Sr. addressed the DNC. <laughs> I saw him with my own eyes call both the Democratic and the Republican parties to a higher calling. Our former pastor, your presiding bishop emeritus, also participated in a number of interviews during that time. But during those interviews, I distinctly remember him expressing the dichotomy, the double political identity of our political existence as African-Americans. I saw him describe how traditionally with our values and morals, we are conservative. This side. But with our political perspectives, we are more progressive. This side. We were taught by the examples of Big Mama and Mama and our grandparents and parents the biblical traditional structure and values of family and how with hard work and discipline an individual could rise to a higher level in life without handouts. That's Big Mama. Y'all remember, y'all saw him do it. Give the Lord praise if you made it through college because of the hard work of your parents and your grandparents. <laughs> On the other hand, he said in our political perspectives, we are more progressive. We have seen in the past how the federal government or a big government, as far back as the Civil War, had a large hand in ensuring that we as African Americans attain the rights espoused in our Constitution. 
As a people, we remember when the U.S. Marshals and the National Guard had to escort young African Americans to high school and college in the South so that they could get an education. Because if it was left up to states' rights, we as African Americans never would have had the opportunity to go to school or even had voting rights. In fact, some states on the conservative side even now are trying to take away those voting rights and the right to go to school. Now, as a strong believer in the values of pro-life and traditional definitions of marriage, Bishop Blake applauded the conservatives' defense of these values of traditional definitions of marriage and pro-life. However, he decried the fact that their love and concern for the unborn stops at the point that they are born. And then more effort on their part is put into construction of more prisons than the institutions that would build productive citizens. There seems to be a complete lack of compassion there on that side. On this side, we applaud and agree with the progressive assertion from the left that equal rights and opportunities should be available to every citizen in our nation and the federal government should protect those rights. But we cannot agree with the wholesale annihilation and murder of millions of unborn children through abortion. We can't do it. Nor have we traditionally agreed with the equivocation of sexual identity with that of racial designation. They are not the same thing. We cannot agree with the destruction of traditional definitions of family and marriage. Amen. So we see that neither party has a monopoly on morality. Those on the left say to the African-American that if we believe in civil rights at all, for all, then we, if we believe in the work of Martin Luther King Jr. and others that fought in the struggle for civil rights, then we should vote Democrat. But those on the right will say that if we believe as African-Americans believe in God and in Christian values, then we should vote Republican while neither party speaks to the whole of the issues and concerns of our community. We realize that African Americans, that we as African Americans need to articulate an agenda that speaks to both of those identities, both the conservative and the progressive side of who we are. It's only when we begin to articulate our own agenda that speaks to our spiritual, moral, and economic, and our constitutional values that we can begin to change our communities. We need strong African-American Christians in both parties. We need strong black Democrats, and we need strong black Republicans. We just need for y'all to remember that you're black and Christian when you get in there. <laughs> Our bishop said it best when he said that the black people of the world are at the top of no one's priority list. No one is sitting in their boardrooms or in their planning rooms thinking about how to heal the of the African-American community. 
It's only when we put ourselves at the top of our own priority list that we will be able to deal with the issues besetting our communities. Until that time, however, there will be those that seek to define and articulate our agenda for us. And we will continue to be torn asunder between two worlds at war with each other. And if that continues to be the case, it will not matter who is in the White House. Let me tell you something, beloved. If you don't choose your own agenda, then rest assured somebody else is going to choose it for you. Amen. I know it's a hard pull today. I feel it. But we have to decide our own agenda regarding health care. We have to decide our own agenda regarding education and criminal justice and economic development and a host of other issues. And again, some may think that I'm being a bit too political, that they didn't come to church to talk about all of this today. We came to church to give the Lord some praise and dance and shout and sing. But whether you want to admit it or not, politics is happening all around you. And there are groups now sitting around talking about you. And if you don't spend some time talking about what you're going to do, well, Lord help us. So we have to decide our own agenda regarding these situations. But in the past, Bishop, Bishop Blake has spoken to us about the Joseph paradigm. You all remember that? in which we're, we're told that as African-Americans like Joseph, we were taken from our land as slaves and we prospered in the land of our captivity so that we could be a blessing to our brothers and sisters still in our homeland. Remember? I do. Do you remember when he said that we as African-Americans should be for Africa what our Jewish-American brothers are for Israel? Do you remember? Bishop Blake founded Save Africa's Children, which ministered to and helped save more than 250,000 orphans on the continent of Africa. 250,000 children had a better life. Because our bishop decided to leave the four walls of the church. That deserves to give some praise right there. He didn't time singing and spend time singing and shouting about the by and by. He got to work down here. He was salt. He was light. And 250,000 children had a better life. Mm. He founded the West Angeles Community Development Corporation in the wake of the 1992 riot or uprising, depending on your perspective. And he did that to minister effectively to a hurting community. As presiding bishop of the Church of God in Christ, your bishop, Charles E. Blake Sr., instituted the Kojic Urban Initiatives, which sought to train and equip other churches to uplift and support our communities. Amen. This goes beyond politics, beloved. This goes into salt and light. 
This goes into expressing physically and tangibly the love of our Heavenly Father to those who do not have, to those who are hurting. This speaks to our agenda. And we have him. If y'all mad at me because of this sermon, you can blame Bishop. <laughs> he did it. Amen. He put this inside of me. But he reminds us about 2 Chronicles 7 and 14 that says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. How many of you know we need our land healed? We can learn to fish for ourselves so that we don't need others to come save us. We have the skill and the wherewithal to launch into the deep from our own platforms and get ready for a net-breaking, bone-seeking blessing. Somebody give the Lord praise in here on today. Mm. Again, our text. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, my brothers and sisters, Paul wrote this during his first imprisonment in a Roman, Roman prison. He wrote it as one who had moved beyond the attachment to the things of this world, who had moved beyond attachment to status and position and national identity. He wrote this letter to the brothers and sisters in Philippi as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven beyond everything that we get so worried and concerned about nowadays. But again, what does it mean to be a citizen of heaven? What are the benefits of citizenship in heaven. You see, there's benefits to citizenship. In this case, it means that you as a citizen of heaven are not to be swayed by the same desires and fears and anxieties that plague those who put their faith in the things of this world. As a citizen of heaven, you are not caught up and manipulated by arguments and positions that appeal to your sense of fear or greed or preference or racial identity or ego. You're not caught up and manipulated by those arguments. I'll put it to you like this. By this men shall know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. By this Men shall know that you are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, that you have love one for another. Whatever party you belong to, love one another. 
however you believe, whoever you voted for, love one another. It's not my job to tell you which way to go, only to tell you love. Look at your neighbor and say, love one another. Now, the Bible lists what we are entitled to as citizens of the kingdom. The word is full of privileges of the privileges of citizenship that we have. We are what it says we are. We have what it says we have. And if God said it, that settles it. I said if God said it, then that settles it. Under certain circumstances, as an American citizen, if you are anywhere in the world An assault on you can be looked at as an assault on the United States. If they mess with you, then there's a chance, depending on who it is, that they will have to deal with the full brunt of the military of the United States of America. And you can rest assured that as a citizen, a diplomat, an emissary of heaven, that when they mess with you, they are messing with Almighty God. I said, as a citizen of heaven, if they mess with you, then they're messing with the host of heaven, baby. If they mess with you, they are messing with the full army of God. And you do not want to be in that position. He said, if I be for you, then who can be against you? The word of God is very clear about our rights as citizens of heaven. It says in Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. This is one of your rights as a citizen of heaven. If you delight in his law in Psalms 1 and 3, God promised you that you shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. This is another one of your rights as a citizen of heaven. It says, but they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. As a citizen of heaven, this is one of your rights. Somebody give the Lord praise in here. But my God shall supply all of your needs, and I mean all of your needs, according to his riches, not your riches, but his riches in glory by Jesus Christ. That's a right of citizenship right there. Write it down. Romans 8 and 28. But we know that all things work for the good of those that love the Lord who are called according to his purpose. That is a right of citizenship. Somebody in here is not giving the Lord enough praise. I'm letting you know who you are. I'm letting you know what you have. You, as a citizen of heaven, can do all things through Christ which strengthen you. That is a right of citizenship. As a citizen of heaven, you can be like David in Psalms 18 and 3 when he says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved. 
from my enemies, that's 24 hours a day. That's wherever you are on the planet, I will call upon the Lord. That is a right of citizenship, my friends. Psalms 33 and 18, behold the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine, to keep your plants watered when you're in the middle of a drought. Somebody here needs to give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Behold, I give you the authority as citizens of heaven to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. This is your right as a citizen of heaven. Somebody here needs to walk in that. Somebody here feels like that they can't win. Somebody here needs to be reminded of who they are as a citizen of heaven. By his stripes, we as citizens of heaven are healed. Your seed shall inherit nations. Never will I leave you or will I forsake you. That's a right of citizenship. When the enemy rushes in like a flood, my God will lift up a standard against him. I go to prepare a place for you that where you are, where I am, you shall be there also. For the sufferings of this present time are not to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We have the victory. That's a right of citizenship. Somebody give the Lord praise on today. Hallelujah. As citizens of heaven, Almighty God says, I will be with you until the end of the age. No matter what happens, he says, I'll be with you. No matter who sits in the White House, he said, I will never leave or forsake you. This is what citizenship in heaven gives you. And there is not a wall that can be built that can keep you from it. All we have to do is believe in our heavenly father and walk in it and stand in it. Everyone's standing. Everyone's standing now. We're done. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a praise on today. Jesus, something special, supernatural about that name. Jesus, something happens when I mention. Oh, sing with me. Jesus. Oh, sing the name with me. Something special. Supernatural about that name. Jesus. Something happens. 
major privilege of citizenship, of the citizenship of heaven, is that you are born again. I said, as a citizen of heaven, you are born again. Hallelujah. If anyone be in Christ, if anyone be a citizen of heaven, they are a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. As a citizen of the world, there were things that you have been involved in that if you think about it right now, it makes your heart heavy. But as a citizen of heaven, all of that has been forgiven. By grace, you have been saved. 